All right, all right, all right. We are at it again. Welcome to TK's A Brigade, the music series. I am your host, TK. My guest today is a local artist from right here in Denver. Her name is Asha Blaine, and she is a local singer-songwriter. I found her on Facebook looking through different artist pages, so I sent her a message and asked her if she would like to come and sit and talk about her music journey. She agreed, so I met up with her. I was truly impressed hearing her story because she opened up about a lot of struggles as well triumphs that she's gone through in her life as well as her musical journey this is a two-part series so we're going to dive into part one right now i hope you enjoy watching as we learn more about asha blaine here on tk's a brigade welcome to tk's a brigade today is a special day i think it's thursday january 5th and i'm sitting with asha right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, quick backstory. Um, I like to peruse the uh, social media platforms for new artists or artists that have been around a while. And I ran across her page. She is a mutual friend of mine, or I should say, we have mutual friends. And I decided to reach out on Faith and ask her to come and talk about her musical journey. And she said, sure. So that's what we're going to do today. So, welcome, Asha. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. This is cool. You know, normally I do this over the phone uh, because, you know, people either don't want to travel or they're yeah. in another state. Right. So I was able to come and sit with you today in your home and talk to you about your music yeah. and what brought you into the journey of music and how you kind of started. So that's where we will start. Basically, what I'd like to know is where did you start in music? What influenced you? And then we'll go from there. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. This is kind of a scattered story, but I first started doing music when I was like nine. So I had my first solo or whatever, like at a Christmas program. And I was like, oh, I really love to sing. <laughs> I think I want to keep singing. Um, so I had done like choir and stuff. I never did band, but I did choir and had solos in high school. And then, um, but I was like really shy. <laughs> it was like really scary for me to sing in front of people. But anyway, um, then I went to college in Nebraska at a community college called WNCC, Western Nebraska Community College, and uh, did the music program out there. Um, they offered me a scholarship to do like the full uh, like jazz choir, like with the dancing and stuff. But I was yeah, like, yeah. I do not want to do that. All like right. I've done... Yeah that stuff all through high school and it was just not not your not anymore I don't want to sing and do the jazz hands um <laughs> I love the jazz hands so so it was really cool because I'd never done anything like in a band or rock and roll before so the band director started a band at WNCC and was like would you be the lead singer for this like pop rock band that I'm creating and I'm like yeah so, so he, this is at college so, you're getting asked to do this yeah so okay. I'm like doing half choir and then like half like rock band that was like a part of the curriculum of the school or whatever so I did that and I was like oh my gosh I love I love singing lead for a rock band let's go come on I'm with <laughs> let's you. go so in it so I only did that for like um one semester and then I ended up Moving, I, I stopped doing music altogether for probably like 10 years. Wow. Yeah, so I didn't 
do anything. So like, just recap. So you're in college. Yeah. And you went to college on a scholarship or you just went to college to get educated? On, on a scholarship. Okay. On a music scholarship. A music vo- scholarship. Vocal scholarship. Wow. That's impressive. Um, but I could not. I actually, the terms were the, for the full scholarship was mm-hmm. that I could not have the full scholarship unless I did the jazz oh, choir. So it's like the, the bait and the switch kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. Oh, and and I ended up declining it. And I was oh, like, wow. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to do... A f- I'm not go- I don't want to do this. This is not where I'm passionate. Like, I love singing, but I don't, I don't want to continue doing this. So that full scholarship got turned into a half one. And then in the next semester, I was offered offered the rest of the half scholarship to be on the band side. So it ended up up working out. Sure. And I stepped into a territory that I didn't realize with myself that I really loved. But I only did it for like six months and then quit and then stopped for 10 years. Wow. Um, I mean, that's huge. Like a month or two, but 10 years is like a whole decade of time that you stepped away from it. Right. And I only had like a couple of gigs where we had like audience members you know I don't even know if I consider them gigs but just like the doorman and then like the bouncer sure yeah or like other students so it's like it's not like this was like any professional deal it was just like a part of the school's program so yeah didn't not much experience um yeah and then quit okay so 10 years no music then what (laughs) okay um I I feel like I wish I could go back and change this part and just stick with music, but I was really too distracted on having relationships <laughs> and stuff like that. And then I ended up getting married, had two kids, and did the, the stay-at-home stay yeah, yeah. family. Yeah. And I loved loved doing that, but it was really really depressed also because I had no creative outlet really um and so then actually after I had my kids when my first child was about three or four I actually went back to college in Nebraska to um a college called uh Shattern State University it's in Shattern it's in like the Pine Ridge area and I went back to school for music, but this time to be totally focused on like music education. So I was going to get my um, degree in teaching, basically okay. teaching okay. music specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, K through twelve. Um, Very nice. So in that in that schooling, I did um, I learned classical pieces and learned how to um, sing solo, like in different languages. Or whatever. Um, and did the choir thing, too. <laughs> I actually loved learning the opera style. It was really... I, I, like, the cl- I like the casual, like, ah, you know, I mean, I learned all this stuff about music, you know, and whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> no big deal. And um, I'm trying to think of... Oh, so through that learning experience, I started to get into the educational part of, like, um, how to direct and okay. instruct. And I found myself really, like, this... I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I don't. I don't think I want to tell other children how to sing, right? <laughs> because I want to sing so bad, and I it kind of felt selfish um, because I was taking on this de- this degree that I thought would be really why I did it was to provide for my family in the future. You know, go in the same you know public school system as my kids and be there with them and just kind of 
have this perfect family life, you know? Right. <laughs> so let me let me interject yeah. real quick. Yeah, yeah. So did you come from a family of musicians or no. did, like what what inspired you to like look at music other than just listening to it? Okay. So no, I I have two other siblings. They did not do music. My parents did not do music. I had I think I have great grandparents that do it, but I wasn't around them. Okay. So no, and like my cousins, like no sure. one does music. Um, I have just always loved the feeling of singing and it's something that I'm constantly doing around my house anyway to myself I think it it was a way for me to have Mm self-soothing coping things that I'm not even realizing okay so it um but then there's a whole other aspect that I have of myself that's like very performance based like look at me I'm gonna be funny I'm gonna entertain you so so what you're saying is like there's one kind of an introverted totally. and then there's one extroverted. Yeah, I, wow. I feel you like and I, I, you, you and I are very much alike in that regard. I'm totally much. split in half. I'm very like I want to be alone and um, be very secluded. But then in another way, total extrovert, total entertaining. Um, but it's hard for me to... <clears throat> When you perform in front of people, you have to get out of this introvert mindset to like really bring bring it, you know, when you're on stage sure, and stuff. Sure. And that has been hard for me, but sure. really exciting and like exhilarating. Sure. So. Well, it's crazy you say that about the introvert too, because so I know that you and I recently met. Yeah. Um, but I was so when I was born, I was two feet tall. 11 pounds, 11 ounces, big dude, right? Oh, my. I know, I know. So <laughs> you would think that naturally I would probably have kind of that, like, alpha mentality, right? Oh, yeah. And growing up in music, because I grew up in the church, uh, we had a huge Maranatha-style band. So, like, 13-piece oh. band, grand yeah. piano, like, four acoustic guitars, drums, all this stuff, right? Dancers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I was, um, I don't know, when I was eight or nine years old, I wanted to be a choreographer, Oh, yeah. And so being a big dude, you know, there's a lot going on when you're moving as a big dude, right? Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, yeah, man, I got the moves, I got the stuff. And <laughs> growing up in music and wanting to do that, I didn't realize that my ability to sing in church and sing with, you know, with people mm-hmm. um, was something that was going to, like, it was going to push me more towards that. But you use the term coping. Mm-hmm. And you said that music was a coping mechanism for you. And again, mm-hmm. not to compare because... Uh, I know exactly what you mean, though, because there were things in my life when I was a kid that happened to me that I used music as a way to cope. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I remember first grade, we were doing a, a musical for, for church, mm-hmm. and I refused to look at the audience. And I literally <laughs> was facing, like, stage right. Yeah. I refused to turn around. And my mom's like, my mom's just, you know, this little person and she comes up to me and she's like why aren't you looking at the audience Travis and I was like I'm afraid and she's like of what what are they gonna do to you and I'm like they might laugh at me she's like then laugh back yeah yeah that's what I that's that coping mechanism along with music was how I was able to get through junior high and high school yeah uh, when kids would make fun of me was when people would make fun of me and laugh at me I'd laugh right back and so (laughs) when you say coping like You know, if you'd like to expound on that, I'd love to hear what types of coping you went through. Yeah, I honestly am just realizing about this, about myself right now as we're talking. Okay. <laughs> this is just kind of a revelation. Wow. Um, that I think it's something that I'm naturally doing all the time 
even in my youth because it it is soothing to my ears or my I don't know because you, you have yeah. the the frequencies you your spirit yeah mm, yeah yep. um so I'm kind of always quietly singing these lullaby type things to myself okay I don't think I was saying to when I was younger either because my mom. Sorry, mom, but her voice wasn't very good. <laughs> she's totally <laughs> hey, okay with that. You know what? Honesty that. is good, though. That's yeah, important. She's, she knows. It's funny. Um, <laughs> um, but I, this is this is interesting. Yeah. So I grew up in a home too, where it was like it was chaotic and loud, and my parents were always screaming at each other. Uh, mostly my mostly my dad. Yeah. And I'm okay talking about this. Um, so it, there was never, it was constant dissension. There was never agreements made. It was just constant. And at nighttime too. So I would, a lot of the times I would go to bed with screaming. Wow. And I would hear it in the next, like, you know. Yeah, the next room going I think a lot yeah. of kids probably, unfortunately, go yeah. through this. My hand is raised. Yeah, yes, yeah. So it's you. not like I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm a victim and I'm the only person who's ever experienced this. Uh, but that it hurts, you know, when, when you have that, there's so much anxiety you have as a kid. So I think that at night I would sing to myself or um, just whenever, you know, it just feel good. It feels good to me. I guess that's the natural outlet that I have. Um, but then I have another side of me, you know, in performance that's like I need to sing aggressively. And that to me is super soothing, uh, not soothing, but it's like. I get to get out all that anger and that it's an outlet built up that I have. Absolutely. Yeah. From probably childhood things or even current, current things that give me anxieties or frustrations. Like I, that is the method that I choose to sing is like intensely. Yeah. Um, but then when I'm home and I'm introverted, I'm very quiet. It's like almost deflated calm. in a sense, right? Like, yeah, like I, you elevate yourself to perform what you're performing. Yes. And then when you're home and you're, there's no one to really put on a show for, then there's no need to really kind of let <laughs> that inner part of your aggression come out because that, yeah. it doesn't really, it's, it's not benefiting the walls, right? It's not benefiting the chair. No, so yeah. That's there's very, no really reason to do it. Yeah, that's very interesting. The more I'm kind of like thinking about this, it's like, it's, it, it isn't for anyone. There is no performance required of me. And that was another part of my childhood too that was a, a huge demand on me was like performance in all of these ways, you know, even in household ways, just to kind of get acceptance or get love. Um, or like if you do a, if you do a good job performing, then you will get extra love or affection today. But if you don't, then like, screw you, you're on your own. <laughs> it's kind of like a, like, it's almost like a, an affirmation payment. Like, like you said, like you perform well and you get accolades. It's a transaction. Right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's a good term. I like that. And unfortunately as humans, I think that we all experience this in our relationships because we are conditional yes. and our parents we do the best that we can yep. or they have done the best that we can. But unfortunately that, that is what is given to us. But we feel like that it, that's not right. Like we need that unconditional support and love from someone, even if we're not performing at a high peak level or if we don't understand the standards. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, um, it's interesting that you use music as a kind of a catalyst for that because yeah. um, I've talked with people who use drugs they've used alcohol mm. um, gambling as an outlet to try and um, 
you know, what's the right word to use? Um, fill in that void, maybe, mm-hmm. or are really like, you know, when you're when you're on. Okay, so speaking from a musician's perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've been a musician too since I was six, and music always took me to that place where, when I got comfortable on stage, I own you as an audience, <laughs> right. And, right? And I'm going to make sure that you know that I'm here mm. until I'm done. And then when I'm done, I'm going to walk over to the side of the stage and I'm going to load out all the gear and I'm going to go home and then hopefully they call me again, right? Yeah, right? But in that moment, when you're on stage and you're looking at the audience and you catch people's eye and you catch people's nuances and mm-hmm. you, you watch the, um, when they, um, you know, they become part of what you're doing. Yeah. Right. It, it, it for me, and I only speak for me, but it fires that it, it or it, it, it stokes that fire. Right. Totally. Yeah. And it, that's why for me, whenever I do live shows, like I don't, I'm not a big fan of cover tunes because the way I look at it, music for me personally, and I'm speaking from TK's perspective mm-hmm. is that all the music that you hear, that's amazing. That's, you know, one Grammys and then people have toured the world playing, like they wrote that they spent mm-hmm. their time in the chair or in the studio Correct. or in bed or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's not my story. So why do I want to put that much effort into learning how to perform that almost like a mask? Right. Uh-huh. So I would rather sit down and write my own story. That's good. And so when yeah. people hear my story, they're like, oh, well, wait a minute. That's your song? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that one and that one and uh-huh. that one. And they're like, oh, well, so where does that come from? And then uh-huh. you can dive in, right, like we're doing today, uh-huh. and share your heart and say, yep, I went through that. Uh-huh. I experienced that. Yeah. And they say, whoa. Yeah. I love that. I like so, how you put that. Well, you know, I've been told that I'm a songwriter. I'm sorry. I've been told that I'm a storyteller with my songwriting. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of abstract music in the world and there's a lot of abstract lyrics, but there's also a lot of lyrics. Um, I think we talked about Evanescence earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, that song that made them famous, like whenever I hear that riff. Right. And it's like, oh, it, it's oh, man, it's like gasoline from my spirit. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I want to get up and then like the eyebrow goes up <laughs> and then like I'll grab the phone. I'll pretend it's my mic. Right. And then like I get it. Yeah. And and so, you know, watching some of your performances on Facebook, right, mm-hmm. and just seeing some of the things that you've done, I'm like, this girl's got an intensity that I don't think anybody's truly, and I don't know, because again, I'm just getting to know you, but I don't think anybody's truly tapped into that quite yet. But I think that you have that intensity musically, and so I'm excited to hear some more from you and just yeah. kind of like what, where you're at, because I've been talking a lot, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. So... Yes, this is such an interesting topic that you're bringing up about cover music because, honestly, there's a whole other backstory. So I do, I go out and I perform covers every weekend, and that's what I do full time to provide for my family. So just a caveat, I there's nothing wrong with that, and I don't have any problem with that. Mm-hmm. It, for me, more it was it's the the cover aspect is more for like. Um, and again, this isn't in any offense to anybody mm-hmm. that does covers for a living or anything like that. Cause I've played plenty of covers. Sure. I guess for me, like when I'm going to put my full 150 million percent of me yes. into it, I want it to be for me. Cause I do, I'll bust out some, uh, some POD, I'll creed, like uh, stone temple pilots. <laughs> one of my creed. favorites. Like, yeah. like, um, plush is one of my favorite songs to do live. And you know, Hey, you know what I'm saying? Like that. Oh, Metallica, yeah. all that, but at the same time. So 
Anyways, so shut up. So I am stepping into that mindset right now. And I, well, that's not true. I kind of stepped into that mindset last year that if I'm going to do original music, I do have a full 10 track album out right now. Really? It's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. Original music. I didn't know that. Yeah. So See, I'm learning new it's things. It's on Spotify as we and YouTube and all the things. Let's go, people. So, go yeah. check it out. <laughs> yes. Uh, that I co-wrote with another guitarist. Um, yeah. I ended up moving out here five years ago. And I had to quit going to college for music, which in a way kind of worked out because I realized I didn't want to teach. I didn't want to in- instruct. So when you say you moved out here, where did you move from? Um, from Nebraska. Oh, so what, you're a Husker? <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you a Husker? Are you from Nebraska? I don't know how to answer this question without making some people mad, but oh, I am... Now. I am in, from Husker State. Yeah. Right, okay. So are you okay? So real quick, real quick uh, recap. Okay. Are you from Nebraska? Are uh, you a native? Was not born there. Okay. Uh, was born in Minnesota. Oh my gosh. I was born in Minnesota. Minnesota and a boat. You were more. You were Up born north. in a boat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I <laughs> what, haven't lost. I haven't lost part, the accent. What part of Minnesota? Uh, it's, so it's by St. Paul. Uh huh. Because uh, I have a, I have a friend in uh, actually my old drummer lives in Alexandria. Oh. Him and his wife and his two sons. So I don't, I don't know where the cities okay, are. Okay, it's, it's like two hours north of of St. Paul. North, okay, north so, of St. Paul. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was born in Waconia. My parents Waconia. actually went to Bible college out oh, there, and okay. that's where they met, okay. and that's where they had me. So okay, yeah, okay. So you're a native of Minnesota, or mm-hmm. I should say, born there, and then you came to Colorado, and then went to Nebraska. Well, actually, so oh, we. Oh boy, there's so much. Yeah, so we moved around, and then I we, our family ended up. Um, moving to Nebraska when I was going into kindergarten. So okay. kindergarten through graduation was all Nebraska. Which part of Nebraska? Uh, first, Scotts Bluff. So it's like the western part. Oh, no. I, my, my mom lives in Mitchell. Oh, shit. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, she technically lives between Mitchell and Scotts Bluff, right there on <laughs> Highway 64, no I think way. it is, right down the street from the Chili's. Oh, yeah. Like, my, my oh, mom's my whole God. family's from Lincoln. That's why I'm. That's why I'm so like interested to know that because yeah, yeah. my uncle lived in Morrill for 15 <laughs> years before he passed away. Yeah. Um, but my whole family on my mom's side grew up on Avenue N in Lincoln, um, wow. and so my former one of my former guitar players actually moved back to home. He's from Waverly. He lives in Waverly, which is right outside of Omaha. But wow. uh, I'm from Iowa. I'm from Cedar Rapids, so I know Nebraska, Iowa, and so we're like right next to each other, right? Yeah. What a small world. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Sorry, I no, no, uh, didn't try to get off on that road. But no, I, just, I think that's it's cool, cool because yeah. it really just kind of paints this whole picture. Because you know, you, you know, you're here in Colorado, and God's got you doing what you're doing now, and there's always yeah. a journey behind it. So there is such a journey. So I graduated. I actually did move back to Colorado because my mom got remarried and lived out here with her new husband, my stepdad. He's awesome. Um, and then moved back to Nebraska. I got married, um, had two kids. We were married for six years and then things went south. <laughs> I had to move um, very quickly out here with my mom. I had to quit school. I had to quit my scholarships that I had for the second time in college and then move out here. And I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I have my kids. Like, what? (laughs) Okay, God. Like, I started praying again. Like, God, what do you, what is going on here? Like, I am a mess. I'm a freaking mess. Um, I left a domestic, like a violent situation and had to come out here and 
also through my childhood having lots of abuse. So I'm I'm pretty at this point in my life, I'm why? <laughs> what is my life? Why what am I doing here? Like wh- why am I living? You know, I'm I'm com- I'm having this point in my heart where I'm like, why what is the point of me living? What is the point of me doing anything? I have no provision ahead of me. I have nothing I can do that is worth anything. Um, so I was really devastated that I couldn't continue going to school. But there was a small part of me that's actually a really huge part of me that was like, I'm kind of glad that I'm not finishing school because I don't, I don't, I don't want to You don't want to be the maestro. No, yeah, I don't want to teach. So yeah. it's so weird how that happened. Sure. Um, and then, so I was totally aimless. I, I lost my family plan. Um, I had kind of, kind of fallen away from my faith because uh, I was raised Christian and in the church as well. And I fell away from it for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's a, that's a whole other story, but I'll stay on track. <laughs> um, so I joined a disco band out here, which was Wow. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the bell bottoms and everything? Or? Well, not bell bottoms, no. but we had afros and I had glittery boots. I can't picture you with an afro. I but, can't I mean, either. I'm sure if you have pictures that we could <laughs> maybe go find I, somewhere in a dark room. I don't really room, feel you know. confident about digging those up. Oh, that's good. I just, I, <laughs> that's but good though. It was like a it. season of my life that I went. So I ended up um, auditioning for this disco band, which was really awesome. Um, good people. And it was such a great experience for me because that music, like the women in in that time, like Donna Summers, Gloria Gaynor, oh, so many different artists I can name, uh, powerhouse vocals and so, so much vibrato and, you know, they're yeah, like huge high vocals. Yes, yes. And I did not know that I loved stepping onto stage and just belting boom in my chest voice belting all those high notes with vibrato and and i was like oh my gosh i love this because i was used to doing classical everything in falsetto high falsetto or like a lower range so real quick what when like when you were a kid what what uh, bands or what styles of music did you grow up on um uh, like what we were talking about earlier was like the two the two thousands kind of metal rock okay. like okay I'm sorry but I loved Linkin no no Park. don't be a, don't don't be sorry because <laughs> that's good music and that's a good yeah. era I wish they would bring some of it back maybe I, we can you never I'm know I'm thinking the same thing let's go let's go, go. Flyleaf is one of them Paramore yes Evanescence yeah, like, oh, come on Amy Lee are you kidding me yeah you guys know all that it. stuff come yeah, on come let's on. go I don't <laughs> yeah so that was my favorite genre to kind of get into. Um, anyhow, so I did the disco band for a couple years. I did eighties rock for a couple years, um, classic rock. So I had been covering music this whole time, but it was really, I, it was really good for me to do because I got to understand song structure. I got to understand what hooks are and why it's important. Um, I got to understand dynamics and like when to explode, when to kind of come down and stuff. So you know, to your point about covers, um, there there has to be a point for an artist where you are done covering and you move on to what you have to say. So I'm kind of coming back around to that whole, like sure. the journey of that. Absolutely. So I'm realizing with myself, um, 
I realized this last year. I, I was co-writing with another player, and we wrote this album. I got to express a lot, my story, in that. I haven't said much about it. Um, but the, ti- uh, the title of that album is called Ascension. Um, so in my mind, I feel like a resurrection. There's a resurrection that I'm going through because I was placed out here in Denver. Totally, I just believe it was a total God move. I wasn't expecting it. It was not my, a part of my plan. And I had asked God for his help because I was completely just wasted, a wasted human being, I felt like. And I felt pathetic and I felt like, how can I... How do I take care of these kids on my own? How do I, what job do I have? Like, I can't. So, so anyway. Um, so real quick, yeah, what, yeah. what year was that? Did you, that you came back to Colorado? 2017. So that was, what year is it now? Almost, almost six years ago. Then. 2023. Right. I know. We're oh literally in the new year. I know. It's crazy. We went through a pandemic. Yeah. Like so many things have happened. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So like six, five and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. So my kids were like Five and three. Wow. Now they're nine and ten. Man. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, through that time, I have been co- only covering music, and I have been getting more into the rock and roll, eight, mo- a lot of eighties um, cover stuff. Um, like, like, give me some. Come on, you can't. Okay, so- you can't just throw out the eighties and be like, oh, and you know, <laughs> moving on. Like eighties, because I love eighties yeah. rock, like Guns yeah. N' Roses, and yeah, I mean, as far as the secular goes, but mm, yeah, Petra okay. is one of my favorites. So, I kind of lean more towards uh, some hair band stuff. So I okay. did a, I did a tribute to Dokken band. Oh, I was wow. in that, so I covered Don Dokken. Okay, um, which his vocals like are kind of insane. Yeah, like. If you can just like, like, if you don't like Dawkins or whatever, you're not a fan. Just listen to Don Dawkins' vocals. He is soaring out of the stratosphere. Like, for a guy to do that is amazing. Sure, sure. Hard for a girl to do that. Um, White Snake. Let's go. <laughs> a little bit of White Snake. Uh, yeah, but well, and, and the evidence, and yeah. I use that term, uh, you know, in a different context. But that the style of the '80s music and that rock band, hair band style, like. Uh. You know, as a vocalist, right? Because yeah. like Journey, right? Because Jeff Scott Stoddard that took over for Journey. Yes. Um, he's actually he lived in Fort Collins for ten years. Did you know that? Yes, I do know that. Yeah. And Jeff Scott Soto knows me because I did a cover. I did two covers ah. of his with Ingve, Ingve ah. uh, uh, songs. Yep, yep. Put them on YouTube, and yeah. he reached out to me, and he's like, "Dang, girl." <laughs> right, right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. So I mean, so you're doing '80s rock. Yeah. And you're you're here in Colorado. You bring yeah. your kids out here in seventeen. Yeah. Uh, you're kind of like, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And here we are six years later. So from, from, okay, so let's just do another recap. Yes. Okay. So you were born in Minnesota. You came to, you went to Nebraska, went through, um, some pretty significant turmoil. sounds like in your childhood years. Yeah. Um, music was one of those coping mechanisms. Yes. Um, did you ever dabble in drugs or alcohol during that time? Like in your teens? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Would you like to talk about that? Is that something? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I have confidence in talking about it because I'm a renewed person now. Let's go. So, uh, yeah. So my parents, because, uh, yeah, because there was so much tumultuous behavior going on, I just felt really, really abandoned and rejected. I think mostly going through my teen years. And I felt like, I felt like I had a hard time in middle school and high school as well. Like I just didn't have much acceptance. Um, I was in, I did a lot of sports. I was in all the sports. Um, but I feel like a lot of people hated, (laughs) hated me because I actually ended up going to a new school 
did the sports and like maybe took some people's positions. Oh, so, so you excelled in in, in I athletics. Did, I what, did. What did you play? What kind of sports? Basketball. Okay. I have two. So I you're have... a point guard? Because I don't know if you'd be a center, I guess. I'm I mean, a wing. Are you? Oh, so you're like a two or three? Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Threes no. all day. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all day, baby. I love it. I so love I have it. two records for three-pointers in women's Nebraska. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then so. a state championship as wow. well. Wow. So, yeah. Look at you, like multi-talented. That's amazing. I did do amazing. that and um, I did volleyball, cross country, and that's pretty much it. Uh, in track, I went to state track my freshman year. Um, but there was a pr- there was a constant pressure to perform athletically by my dad. He was so hard on me. He, sure. Yeah. Abusive if I didn't meet a standard. Abusive if I didn't wear my ankle braces to practice. Like he was not good. Um, so I always was always trying to clamor for acceptance. I think. Um, and then my peers too were like, I felt like they. Uh-uh. They weren't having it. They just didn't like, like me. They were jealous of you, basically? I don't know. Maybe. It I don't, just I don't like that to way, say maybe. that, but sure, like, sure. I don't know how they feel. But definite rejection within my family and with my peers. Okay. So I felt like I was walking alone a lot. So then I ended up definitely getting into drugs and alcohol and having just like kind of a promiscuous lifestyle <clears throat> as well because I'm trying to find that love and validation i'm not getting it from any angles right um i feel abandoned in a way even though i have all these people revolving around me you know it's it's like you can feel so alone though so i ended up falling into just a really not a good crowd (laughs) people partying drinking a lot um doing drugs not anything crazy heavy but just like weed, weed mostly and yeah, not going to school, skipping school. Like I was a total, Man. I was a total POD kid or okay. like a corn kid. Like you were like grunge and kind of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go, yeah, yeah. Like I, everybody's going that direction. I'm gonna go this direction. I'm gonna go this way. Oh yeah, yeah. Me, uh, you and me both. So I am a little bit of a, I'm an outcast, but it's a little bit by choice because there's sure. I can't follow a crowd. I can't. Hey, you're you're you're, uh, you're you're preaching to the choir, you know, being a big dude and coming up in the church and then going to a public school and, and always having that, you know, wanting to that like performance mentality. Yes. And wanting to not not. OK, for me personally, not wanting people to always watch me because I can walk into a room and I say this humbly just because of my size, but I can walk into a room and I can get the attention like that. Yeah. And it's just simply because of my size. Sure. Now you add in, you know, singing and everything else. Then it's like, oh, okay, so two heads turned when I walked in, and then the music starts, and then like 10 more heads turn, and they're like, oh, and then when you're done, they're like, hey, man, which, you know, can I be your friend? And you're like, yeah, cool, bro, you know, but that rebellious or that, you know, uniqueness of being different than, you know, if you got 10 people over here that all do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're that one person that's like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to do this. And what's interesting about that is that that mentality, it, yes, it can make you feel like or I mean, you can truly feel or be in a sense that no one's really like a part of what you're doing. Yes, which is very interesting in that that mindset as a kid, I think, plays into the maybe business endeavors you take on when you're older, because you don't realize like 
that you're it's not that you're trying to be an outcast it's just that you're not received a little bit because you have your own ideas about things and you can't conform to what this popular chick's idea is about how to run a school you know like <laughs> i don't give a crap about the prom i don't give a you know so it's just like things i like, never even went so yeah i went but i was like man i could you wear combat boots <laughs> <laughs> i should have <laughs> but there were moments in my um like high school life where I did conform because I wanted to be accepted but it got to a point where I was like no one will receive who I am I'm too weird or I'm too quirky or maybe I'm too quiet and they just are just like they don't know what to do with me it feels like even my own family so and even the groups that I would get in that were like heavy metal thrasher partiers like didn't know how to receive me I felt like so I didn't know who I was for a long time um, so yeah, I definitely got into that and I stayed into alcohol and drugs, um, for a while. Yeah. Not, I mean, I wasn't like, I don't feel like I was addicted to alcohol, but I mean, I was partying a lot. Like every weekend. Like I was, it was there and you're like, oh sure. Why not? Oh yeah. Do a I'm shot, gonna, do yeah. a run, whatever, smoke a bowl. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm the same, yeah. same journey. I, I don't feel like I... I had moments where I overdid it, but it wasn't a constant thing. I think my constant, actually my constant addiction was relationships because I was not, this is so weird to explore right now, but I was not received with people. I am not received. How do I say this? I'm received on stage, but I'm not received in a, like a, I don't even know how to explain this right now. It's interesting. Um, Never received in like if I'm working in a um, like in some kind of facility. Okay. I don't know how to explain. Like not that I'm not liked, but I I, maybe I'm the one that's not receiving the situation. Maybe I'm the one who's like I can't. I don't feel. I I feel left. I feel like I don't fit. You know. So I've I've always felt that. Maybe whether they felt that or not, I don't know. But maybe that's just me. So anyway, my addiction was relationships. And so I think that I was willing to take a lot of crap, especially in my dating relationships, because I was so hungry for um, connection and acceptance and needing someone to love me. But I I realized as I look back that that um, that person was probably not in a great because they were all partiers, too. Anytime you hook up with partiers, it's just not, it's just it's, never good. Yeah, the outcome is probably never going to be good, right? No. <laughs> so, after many failed attempts of relationships within my party scene, you know, I ended up marrying that type of person, and and, and um, it didn't work out. Um, so, when I moved out here, I I decided. Well, before I got married, when I got married and had kids, I I had to stop all the partying. I had to stop because I had to, you know, take care of my kids and um, I was home with them. So that's, I'm glad for that. My kids kind of saved me in that way, I feel like. And they still save me today. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) They keep me grounded. They keep me responsible. I don't think that I would be pursuing music if they were not with me because the, the problem that I always end up running into is I can't have a real job. Um, because I 
feel like I can't excel in that area or there's like some missing piece of feeling not received or something. So when you say not having a real job, are you referring to like not going and teaching? Cause that's, you have that degree, yeah. correct? Yeah. I kind okay. of make fun of that real job thing because for myself, not sure. for other people. Oh no, I, um, I get you. I, yeah. And I, I think mm-hmm. that people receive that in a yeah. way that, you know, everybody's different. Like you have some people that are very routine, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not routine. I'm not either. Uh, in fact, I don't mind routine, mm-hmm. especially like uh, like putting the kids down at eight. So sure. you know, and that kind of routine. But mm-hmm. when it comes to work or being creative, right? Yeah. Like trying to get a job where it's nine to five. Like even when I did security, right? Yeah. I I would go to work at two in the afternoon, and it was like, oh, the clock's not getting punched at midnight. Like the artist is still doing them. Right. It's five thirty in the morning. Guess what I'm still doing? Right. So there's never this real true schedule. So when you say like the real job. I think, and I, again, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I know what you mean when you say, like, it's not necessarily like that traditional, um, like, routine kind of job. There, yes, there is something about the nine to five um, that I personally reject um, for some reasons. (laughs) <laughs> you too. He's like, oh, yeah, me, me too. Oh, me too. Yes. Um, and, and not in a negative way, but I'm with you. Like, yeah, my brain is, it's too busy. Yeah. It's going yeah, too much. And it's not because I think I have, there's a, I want responsibility. I want to take on things. I want to conquer things, but it's not in the way that somebody else has for me because that will make, so I think this ties in with my childhood. I will easily feel trapped by a relationship or a, or a demand put on me by somebody else. So if I'm creating my own schedule, I can be the boss, you know. Oh, I do. (laughs) And what's interesting when you say that, too, because when it comes to songwriting, um, I have been, I sat with artists and, you know, trying to write, like I, I don't. I knock on wood. I'm not gonna knock on wood, but uh, with when it comes to songwriting, I'm I'm kind of like that. It's got to be. Um, I, I'm willing to, and if I've actually co-wrote with a few different people, but like when someone says, "Hey, you know, let's write a song together," it's like, "Sweet, okay. Well, what's the theme? You know, where's the direction going? Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about?" Yeah. And lyrically, like I'm very lyrically inclined. Yeah, I can come up with words. Like I like to use it if if a word has six different definitions, or if there's six different definitions, mm-hmm. like with different words that mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. I try to use one that's not necessarily down that road. Mm-hmm. Same with what you're saying. I think what what you're saying when it comes to like not being on that like okay, I'm gonna wear a tie today and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna sit in a cubicle. Like, I, I are you kidding me? I would swallow cyanide. I forget I, about it. Like, I are you know. Kidding me? Well, and there is a part of me that is like that thinks that I have to be like that because that's what everybody else is doing. But this goes back to even being in high school where I'm like, I'm not gonna conform to what the popular person is doing. I just I can't. I don't want to. I'd rather do it my way. But the curse with doing it your way is that you do have to be disciplined over yourself because right. nobody is managing you. You, If you don't want to be micromanaged by somebody else, you need to figure out how to micromanage yourself because otherwise stuff is not going to get done. And I've gone through that too where it's like as a creator, artist, you want to get stuff done, but you lack the motivation or you lack you lack the time schedule that's going to confine you or you lack the like I'm not good enough like you lack the confidence or something so you do have to create this like mindset for yourself that's like you have to tell yourself you're going to get it done no matter what you can't you can't worry about your ego you have to just have the vision and get it done (laughs) 
That's uh, that's well put. And, and I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, as you're talking about that and, you know, the music aspect, because, uh, you know, talking with other artists about their journey and how, you know, people that don't do music mm-hmm. as a profession or something that they're passionate about, mm-hmm. they don't understand creativity, right? Yeah. So, what, like... If you're Even a baker, well, but, but, but that's the thing though, is that yeah. I think as an, as a musician or as an artist, as you grow into it, you, you, you evolve, do. like, you, do. Yeah. you know, you take some of the biggest bands in the world and you listen to their first record Yeah. and you're like, okay, first record, sixth record. And you're like, whoa, like mm-hmm. the drastic difference in creativity yeah. and ability mm-hmm. and even refined um, the way that they sing or play their instrument. It's crazy because I think as artists, you know, just like with anything, like you've got to come into your own. Yes. You know. I think this is what I feel um, in a spiritual standpoint, like with where I'm at now. I feel like there has been a redemption to my life that I've been able to live out in the last five years that has been absolutely incredible to me and something that I needed to become the person that God um wants me to be I don't think that he wants any of his children to be broken down you know there's those verses uh, there's a verse I can't remember where it's at that you know come to me all ye, all ye who are uh, uh, weary weary and heavy laden and because um, my yoke is light and my burden is featherweight <sighs> yes <Uh-oh>. and <laughs> that's great that's a great expression of yes I, I I'm with you and um I've been really interested in studying a lot of theology with that lately. Like why, why God would you have me go through these other things? So, you know, uh, that's a whole other conversation, but I accept that I did go through those things because you kind of need them for a story. You kind of need them to write an album. <laughs> Let's go. You need some lyrics to pull from. And I would say 30 years of my life I've lived in, just emotional turmoil a lot of rejection a lot of abandonment um abuse uh violence drugs and then coming out here my life totally flipped upside down and i didn't know that was going to happen i didn't try to become a solo artist i didn't try to write an album it's just the opportunities presented themselves and i was like yeah i want to do that that sounds exciting and god created me to be that way god didn't create me to follow the popular girl in school or to follow the CEO of this company. Like he created me to be the CEO of my own. (laughs) What you're doing. Whatever I'm doing. Right. Absolutely. So I have to give the credit where credit is due um, with God, God in heaven, because I do believe that he has transformed my life and I'm on this, I'm on a healing path and it's, (laughs) The thing that makes me perform, you know, like, is healing. It's so healing. And people, <laughs> people, I think some people scoff at me like, oh, you have two kids, you're a single mom and you perform. Like, how, how are you doing that? You know, or oh, that's not normal. That's not conventional. No, it's not conventional. But I will never be a conventional person. <laughs> I just, it's not in me to be um, following the, the rules. So that is all the time we had for part one of this two-part series with Asha Blaine and her musical journey. But don't worry, we have an exciting conclusion in part two next week, so stay tuned for that. 
anyone interested in learning more about Asha, please find her on Instagram or Facebook. And please don't hesitate to leave a comment or a question about her music. She does have a lot of info about upcoming events and shows that she is going to be doing here in 23. So, to be continued.